Welcome to the Dream Supply Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? I am your host, Michael Mueller, and welcome to Dream Supply, where our goal is to help the creative community turn their passion into a business so you can earn a living doing what you love. Today, I have an amazing guest. His name is Jamal McMillan. Right? How you doing, Jamal? I'm doing great. Jamal is a director, writer, actor, photographer, painter, a pretty amazing painter, might I add. Um, so basically, uh, anything related to creativity or being a creative artist, that is Jamal. We just kind of, how many hats do you wear? Um, I have like an entire closet full. Okay. Uh, it just depends on you know what I'm doing, which one I put on. Right. So what have you been up to, man, with all the craziness? Like, are you binge watching anything right now? Oh, um, I just binge watched uh, Dead to Me on Netflix. I've heard so much. People keep telling me they're like, Mike, dead to me. So it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. (laughs) And that's like, it's weird how things just kind of pop up and all of a sudden they're like the next binge thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, um, I think Waco was one of those recent oh, yeah. ones. and But but it, when you look at it, it's like, oh, it, it came out in 2018. And I'm like, all of a sudden it just started circulating on Netflix and social media. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything else, like any movies, anything um, off the... Uh, what movie did I see? Uh, I just recently wa- re-watched um, uh, Always Be My Maybe. Okay. Um, with Ali Wong, like... That is, oh, I love her. She is. I haven't seen that. But that movie is hilarious. <laughs> always be my maybe. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna have to put that one down on the list. Have you watched The Last Dance? No, I haven't watched that yet. I watched. I saw one episode of it. Incredible, man. Yes. It's. It's. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't stop watching. I just went through all ten. Wow. <laughs> and, and growing up in the '90s, that it, it's been a big topic of discussion, like mm-hmm. with uh, people in my age range, just because it was like real nostalgic watching it and then uh but then there's a lot of stuff i guess because i was like a teenager during that time that i didn't necessarily understand the politics and all the behind the scenes mm-hmm. uh, bs that was happening yeah so it was really cool to kind of just re relive that decade of just some amazing competitive uh, mm-hmm. champions right so uh it looks jamal i gotta ask you since 2016, you have put out a film every single every single year. Yeah, that's an accomplishment, dude. How does how does how does one even? I know people, including myself, that it's hard to get one film out. So, uh, explain that process of like where where does how does that or is it something that like you're like okay we're just going to do this and do it or like what's the where does that start? Well. Um I didn't even realize we were doing that until like recently. Mm-hmm. Like uh, my first movie, uh, Back to One, mm-hmm. uh, we we started prep work for that in 2015, and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I started off doing background work on different film sets and whatever. Mm-hmm. And Ava DuVernay, uh, she was the first director, like really like pulled me aside and just started like mentoring me about. And that's a key thing is getting that mentor. Oh yeah. Yeah. And every set that I've been on, like, I try to, like, go straight to the directors, like, hey, you know, like, what's your thought process? How do you develop your shot list? Like, what is your mentality going into a production? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you handle yourself, like, you know, leading, like, you know, taking in ideas, but also, you know, making sure it's your vision that's coming out. And she was like, Jamal, just do it. Like, just yeah. whatever you got to do. So our first film, we shot on an iPhone. And hey, look, <laughs> you, dude, don't I mean, I don't. A good story is a good story. I always right. tell people that, like, 
and I'm guilty because I love my gear. Like Mm -hmm. gear is, it's fun, but it's not a necessity for a good story. Like a good story is just going to be a good story. Mm -hmm. Like people think that they can cover up a bad story because it looks beautiful. But at the end of the day, it's still a crappy story, right? So, but yeah, so iPhone, hey, so what did you learn from that experience? Uh, It it helped to train me in a way to develop shots effectively because, Mm -hmm. like, you know, with a phone, it's smaller, so you're able to get, like, more creative angles that you wouldn't get with, like, you know, a DSLR or even, like, a... A Sony A7, uh, I mean, uh, what, F7S, mm-hmm. F5. Yeah, the, the, the F, uh, I think it's F9. FS7, or, yeah. yeah, F9, yeah. And um, it was stressful because sometimes, you know, your phone would give out and, like, cut out in the middle of a shot. <laughs> yeah. Or it would take forever to try to, you know, get the footage off of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- that's I think those are some of the, the technical aspects, especially if you're running... You know, you have like a, a five minute take or something. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, we got, let me airdrop this. And then it's just like, it's prepping. And then it's like it's sending. So it's just, yeah, it's slow. just like, I'm like, dude. Yeah. So that that's a challenge. So what was that? What was the film? What was the film's name that you shot on the iPhone? It's uh, called Back to One. Okay. Oh, you shot. So that film, the whole thing was done in an iPhone. Yeah. How, what were you doing for audio? Uh, so I got it was a Shure mic okay. that hooked into the uh, Thunderbolt port, the Lightning okay. port of uh, the iPhone, and we would just get audio that way. And then my dad uh, he purchased a second iPhone for me, okay, so that I could have like two camera setups. Okay, see, I, I don't think I would have even guessed that because I've seen the trailer several times. Mm-hmm. I would not have guessed. And see, that's the thing is like I'll get people that call me and they're like, you know. I got a buddy who's got a red or whatever. And I was like, dude, I'll take my Sony a7S mm-hmm. two up against any $20,000, $30,000 setup. I, I guarantee you from an audience perspective, they could not tell the difference. I know. And like, that's a huge thing. When I uh, when I first showed the footage for Back to One, um, one of my mentors, Troy Rowland, he knew that we were doing the movie, but he didn't know we were doing it on iPhone. Mm-hmm. And so I literally handed him my phone with the trailer on it. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, wow, I love the quality of this. Like, what did you shoot mm-hmm. on? Was that a Canon? Like, it was a mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I said, no, the phone you're holding in your hand right now is what we shot this movie on. And the jaw drops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Usually. And, and it's and that's what, it again, especially you're working with the iPhone. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is what I always tell people, too. Regardless of the camera, know your camera's uh, limitations and then work around that. Like, if you know that camera doesn't do well in low light, don't shoot in low light. Like, don't don't force it to do something it can't. But I find a lot of times if you just have something lit properly, you can get a good quality image out of Mm -hmm. it. So did... Did it start with directing or acting? Like, where, where, where was your journey? Where did your journey start um, as a creator? Well, I've always, from the time that I was able to get my hands on a camera, mm-hmm. I've been filming stuff. Like, my mom, she actually named me after two actors. Oh, wow. Uh, Malcolm Jamal Warner and Felicia Rashad. Wow. So it's That's in my DNA. <laughs> hey, no pressure, right? I know. <laughs> like, she didn't tell me this until I got older, but... Uh, my dad, he bought a camcorder because both of my parents are uh, ministers. Okay. And so they bought a camcorder to, like, record their speaking engagements and all that. But when I had my hands on it, 
I would actually like try to remake movies and film stuff. Yeah. Like my brother, my brother sister and I, when we were home one summer, we remade Spider Man One. Oh wow! And, like minus all the oh, yeah, special, special effects. effects. <laughs> yeah. no, what I did was I um, like the old Spider Man game. Yeah. I would like record the little cutscenes. Oh, use that as roll. Well, you know they, they they say like when you're when you're trying to figure out your lane and and your style and signature look, they tell you to create work that you, recreate work mm-hmm. that you love it, you know kind of uh, reverse engineer it so you can yeah. kind of get an understanding of what went into it and then you kind of just apply that um in your version i kind of did that with photography um and annie Leibovitz, who is mm-hmm. what she's like my all-time favorite photographer and i just love her style so yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of my work has been influenced from that or derived. And, you know, you make your own version of it, but I just always love the way that she used uh, bold contrast and it's just very like a cinematic uh, f- uh, photograph. So mm-hmm. it totally makes sense that, you know, hey, let's, let's reshoot Spider-Man or a scene from whatever. So, so it starts so almost like a camera guy. You were the, ca- that's yeah. where it started. Yeah, I was. I played Spider Man. Okay. And it, it, uh, it just reminds Because you just didn't have that many actors available to yeah, you. Yeah, you know, multiple characters. My brother was Green Goblin. My sister was Barry Jade. And we used everything in the house. Like my skateboard was the glider. Oh, my God. Does this film, where is this film? Can we still see this film? <laughs> it's, at, it's at my house in my garage somewhere in there. You need to uh, you, you need to get it out and, and you need to post that. I, I know. I, I think one of the best things we could do as creators is be transparent about our journey because sometimes people will just meet you right now and they'll see your most recent work and they're like, oh man, it's so polished, it's so clean. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't always like that. No, not at all. <laughs> like, so I, I remember like a while ago, I was like, yeah, let me share the first music video I ever shot and directed. And it's horrible. Like it mm-hmm. was shot on a handy cam, oh, a Sony handy cam. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no depth of field. It's It was all handheld. It, it's, oh gosh. But you know, at the time, you couldn't tell me nothing. I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm shooting music videos. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, so at what point did it come to getting in front of the camera, like as a, on a serious level, not just because you and your uh, siblings were creating scenes, but when you were like, you know, I, or did you direct or write for a while before you got in front of the camera? Oh, well, I started like writing a lot, but uh, the first time I was ever on camera, my friend Nicole, uh, for one of her projects in film school at mm-hmm. Georgia State, she said, hey, Jamal, I need an actor uh, for this project. And I was like, okay, sure. So yeah. I go and I memorize my lines, I go and nail it, it, it was like, wow. But that's when I realized that I was meant to be a director, Yeah, I'm a major control freak. Yeah, that's a that's a big thing. Um, and that's good that you can, at least you pinpointed that early, because yeah. I know there's always, uh, like, as, as I grew in production, it was always like, I was a, for the longest time like a, a running gun, one man show, camera editor. I did everything. I lit it, you know. Um, and then when you start growing and you start having a team of people, mm-hmm. and then you have to slowly let things go and trust that other people are going to, you know, they're your team. You got to trust them. So that that that's me too. I was always, uh, I, I hated letting go of the control. Yeah. Cause you just feel like I know it's going to be done right if I do it. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's a horrible way to think because, you know, people that like uh, my DP, Ben, I mean, he's a, uh, he's a really young guy. He went to film school, moved here 
and he's like 23, 24, but he, you would think, I mean, he's, he's amazing with what he can do. And, you know, I fully trust him, but right. it took a, it took stages of doing that. Mm-hmm. And one thing I've noticed in all the projects that you've released trailers for and put out there, like you, you have a pretty big cast. Like that's a, that's always a challenge too. finding <laughs> good actors and, and such a, a, a huge cast. Like, I think sometimes that's a challenge on its own, just the casting piece. Like, uh, this is the funny story about Back to One. Everybody that was a part of Back to One mm-hmm. had lines. Mm-hmm. I had zero extras in it. We had 73 people. <laughs> yeah, 73 people. And you wrote this film, correct? Uh, I have a screenwriter, my friend Colton. Uh, okay. I write the treatments for everything. And I got he'll, you. he'll like, go through and take and make me a screenplay, and then I'll go through and make adjustments if needed. And I always ask, so... Are they writing with production in mind, or is it just Colton? No, <laughs> yeah. <see>. Like, <laughs> we we had a long talk about that because we're working on um, we're we're getting ready to do a two picture deal with mm-hmm. a, a major um, distributor um, okay. for theaters, mm-hmm. and uh, everyone's like, well, "What's the difference between when you write and when Colton writes?" It's like when I write, mm-hmm. you know, it's a director writing. Yeah, it's they walk into a room, they talk, 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 talk. Yeah, walks out. Yeah. When Colton writes, it's he looks at the doorknob. Yeah, 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 he hesitates. It, yeah. It's like every little detail he puts yeah. into it. And we a lot of actions, it. right? Like, yes, but it's hilarious. <laughs> and two, it's like, uh, you know, well, why do they keep adding characters? Like, all of a sudden, you're just like, oh, yes. and it's just stars. And uh, Brad Drotty, he's, he, we've co-written a bunch of stuff and worked on a bunch of my projects together. And he starts painting this image of the room there. I'm like, dude, we haven't looked at locations yet. Don't tell me it has like a red rug. I'm like, no, we don't know if that's a possibility. So like, you know, especially on the indie level, we're kind of at the the mercy of whatever we can get our Mm -hmm. hands on when it comes to shooting a location. So I'm like, you don't have to put the type of picture frame that's on the wall and how the room, because we don't know. Exactly. Uh, because when I hand that to my uh, production supervisor or production coordinator where they got to go and do the set dressing, they start pulling all this stuff out of the script. And I'm like, yeah, don't worry about all that stuff. <laughs> like, we're, we're, I'm not sending you on a manhunt through antique mm-hmm. stores and Goodwill to try and find all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah it's – so what is your – um. What is your creative process like? Where do you start as far as like if uh, whether it's a new idea for a film or just where does that where does it normally happen? Um, Well, a majority of our films are faith based. Mm -hmm. So like I'll go through and think of like what what stories resonate within me? Like what has a message that I feel would connect with, you know, this generation? And um, and I would I've been trying to work towards taking Bible stories, taking the message out of the essence of it mm-hmm. and putting it in a way that anybody, like for anybody to enjoy. Right. And uh, like sustained was the one that we really created our formula. Like back okay. to one was like, you know, the, it was a sketch initially. Right. Like, right, right. Okay, let's just do something. Um, I would never do a full feature film on an iPhone ever again. Yeah. But <laughs> well, you let, it's a, it's an experience. You learned a lot from it. I'm yes. sure. Yes. Uh, but with sustained, I, I really focus on story development. Like okay. before I even try to shoot anything, I want to make sure the story is like there completely, like the character development, everything to the best of our ability. Mm-hmm. And um, while we were shooting back to one, we worked on the script for Sustain. And I was so excited. Like, I couldn't wait to be done with back to one. I was like, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to get re- uh, started yeah. on this project. And 
after doing the script, we then um, we started looking. We did casting at the same time mm-hmm. because I like to know who my cast is even in the middle of the writing process. I got you. So after the first draft, we'll like go ahead and start doing the full cast, uh, you know, as much as possible. And then we'll start looking at locations. Okay. So by the time we're done with the script, we're like, okay, we have the cast. Now, do you, you have a team, right? Is it, obviously, you're not just uh, <laughs> doing that all solo, or is it a solo venture? Like, what does that dynamic look like? Um, 90% of the work is me. Like, the first couple of movies, I shot, acted, directed, all that stuff, lit. Do you feel like anything suffers from doing that? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, it, and it wasn't that I didn't trust anyone. It was just because of where we were, like, you know, money-wise and right. with uh, who were the people that were willing to come on board, they would help out with whatever I needed. Like, if I said, hey, I need you to stay behind camera. Like, so saying, I actually trained my little sister to mm-hmm. do all of our cinematography for the movie. I, trained, oh, wow. I, sh- I showed her, like, what type of shots I like um, and how I like stuff lit. And then for the duration of the project, like, everything that I wasn't in, mm-hmm. I shot. Right. But anything that I was, like, she shot it. Because there was a project where uh, me and my buddy, Brad, we, we started, it was like a, it was going to be a 12-minute short. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we shot it. And I was like, man, I just love what the actors have done with the characters. I'm like, this is something that could unfold. Mm-hmm. And the the first one was simple. It was just two people in one in one location. So it wasn't it wasn't a super challenge to uh, shoot. But as he developed further scripts, he started adding all these locations and other characters. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I, I got back after like a 12 hour shoot, and I looked at it, and I was like. I got to bring a team in like, I'm not going to spend this much time and effort and money on something. And then it just be subpar because I'm being stubborn about bringing in a team to shoot it where I could just focus on directing and making sure that the the story is where it needs to be. That's why I was asking if anything suffered because I've Mm -hmm. seen it suffer on my end. And, you know, the more you can focus on what's, what's most important for Jamal's role in this, mm-hmm. is it is it the acting, is it the, the directing, or is it the camp? You know what I mean? Like that way, it's getting a thousand percent of your attention, right? Yes. So, what? So, <clears throat> for casting, do you normally handpick, or do you go through an audition process, or a little bit of both? Uh, well, my agent, she actually runs my production company. And uh, having an entire arsenal of actors makes it so much easier to That's get cast. the secret of how you... I'm like, this guy's just getting... Where does he find all these people? I'm like, I, I, I struggle getting, you know, three or four actors, you know, like going through just the sea of people here in Atlanta because the market has just grown so big. Mm-hmm. It's a, there's a, there's a lot to go through. Yes. And then finding the person that, and you know, it's crazy cause I'm sure you've seen your fair share of auditions and you know, it's like you see um, a lot of great talent and they may have just fell short. Someone mm-hmm. beat them out just a little bit, but it's like, you don't get a chance to like, Hey man, great audition. Keep up. The, like I yeah. wish, I wish there was like an etiquette where that seemed appropriate because I know when you just don't hear anything back, that's got to suck. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I'm always interested in other directors casting process, because I know it's uh, it's a challenge finding the right person for yeah. the, the the role, especially like when you spend, you know, six months writing it, mm-hmm. six months flushing it out. I mean, there's just so much time that goes into it. You don't want to just 
let anyone run with a role. Yeah. Um, like what we normally do, uh, it, and that's been a process in itself um, because because I'm such a control freak at times. Mm-hmm. At first, I would like ask her like, hey, uh, so I need this type of role. Like this, this is what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And by the time that she gives me options, I've already like decided like, oh, I want this person. Yeah. And she's like, okay, fine. So, but then sometimes I realize like, that's not my forte. Like, you know, my leads, mm-hmm. I choose the leads. Like, right. uh, like number one and two, like maybe three. Uh, because, you know, those are the people you're going to be with on set the most. Right. And I have to trust them and I have to believe in them. So usually I handpick uh, one and two. Gotcha. But everyone else, like, we go through uh, the audition process. Um, she'll bring me back, like, the top two or three people per role. And we'll just, like, sit down and talk about it and see, you know, what the chemistry is. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's worked out for the most part. I mean, we've had times where we've casted someone and then, we get into a table read and someone else will come in and we'll be like, wow, like that person will be perfect. And then it's like, ah, sorry. Uh, we'll yeah. Swap yeah. It's a, t- it's a tough thing. So let me back up just a little bit. I want to, because we're, we're, we're already jumping way ahead. We're teams and cast. Like <laughs> let, let's go back to where it, give me a timeline of, of your journey, like where it was just like, um, this is what, this is where it started. You know, you, you started off running around with a, a camera at home, mm-hmm. you guys, you and your siblings recreating stuff. Like what was, what happens after that? Like, what is, what is your timeline and journey like up to where we're at now? Uh, well, that was when I was like 11, 11 or 12. And after that, I started taking like a bunch of acting classes. Uh, well, in Georgia state, mm-hmm. uh, I was, I was so nervous to even start um, taking acting classes. Oh, I know. Like I could, <laughs> I give actors so much credit because there's just no way I could do what they do. Yeah, it's I like phenomenal. confidence. Everything. Mm-hmm. And the uh, it was an elective, like acting one. I was like, okay, well, uh, I'll do it. And I tried to talk myself out of it. And this, yeah. uh, and you're like, don't pick me, don't pick me. I know. Like this was a security guard. She was the one. She was the reason why. Like, she and this uh, janitor at Georgia State, they were the reasons why I actually stayed with it, because I was about to drop the class. And uh, the janitor, I had never seen him before, and I never saw him after that day. He said, Jamal, he said, I don't know you, but I see that if you stick with this, you're going to be something big in the industry. And, like, that day, I was like, okay, so I went in, I got on stage, and after that day of being on stage, I was like, I want to do this. Yeah, it was just like overcoming, and it's usually just the fear of the unknown. Yeah, and I, I think pretty much every actor has probably gone mm-hmm. through some stage or level of getting over the nerves. Yes, right. So, so you stuck with it. Mm-hmm. So then what? So, so now you're 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 yeah. going full steam into acting class. Yeah. So uh, I was at Georgia State for six years. Uh, they literally had to kick me out. Um, <laughs> like I'm serious. I I had 183 credits. <laughs> Is that all, that's so that's a lot of credits. Yeah, I I had enough credits for three degrees. <laughs> like if I would have taken uh, Spanish one and two, I would have graduated with three bachelor's degrees. Wow! <laughs> and I was tempted to do it. Wow! But, that's uh, a lot of education. Yeah, when you run out of financial aid, it sort of like yeah. puts things in perspective for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like, oh, I got to pay for all this. <laughs> it's like, um, but the class, like I took, I took an acting class every semester. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I was at Georgia State. And even when they didn't have any available, I would audit classes and just go sit in because I had the same acting teacher for six years. So did you, 
So during this whole time taking these classes for mm-hmm. six years, were you venturing out trying to do auditions or was it just like, I'm working on my craft, I'm going to get it down, I'm going to get to a place where I feel um, I can be competitive in, in the, the acting market? Um, well, the funny thing was I had no idea what to do. I was in my little bubble just being a theater kid. Um, wow. So you you had no you weren't even thinking about how to apply this into. I had no idea. <clears throat> it was like, I'm just I'm just going to go and I'm just taking classes. I'm just mm-hmm. learning. So six years of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Didn't didn't even sign up for one audition. Nope. Were you making anything uh, like were you shooting stuff like or was this just all six years of just straight acting? Six years of just straight acting. Uh, I What changed for me, it, there were two classes my senior, well, my third senior year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I took a Shakespeare class, and okay. I love Shakespeare. And then um, I took a directing class because it was available. Okay. And my, my professor, he always told me, he was like, Jamal, he said, I know you love theater. He said, but you are a film actor. It's like every time you get on stage, I just look at you and I picture you in front of a camera. And um, he's like, even just how you deliver your lines is like is ready for television or theatrical release. I think it's really awesome that you've come across people in this journey that kind of even though it may have not been their intent, but they kind of nudged you in the direction mm-hmm. that, you know, it was kind of like you're on the fence about acting class. And then it's like. You, you come across somebody that's like, no, this is what you should do. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then yeah. you went full force. And then all of a sudden you're, you're kind of getting to the end of that, like you're about to be done with school. Mm-hmm. And it's just like all of a sudden now someone's uh, giving you another nudge that still encompasses the first one, but right. it's just kind of taking it to that next level. Yeah, that it was extremely helpful because – I was also um, trying to play football at Georgia State. Like that was something I was I was really passionate about. Mm-hmm. But uh, Coach Curry, uh, he he hated the idea of me playing football. He's like Jamal. He said there is so much more in you. He said you said you will be the type where you want to go to the NFL. Then you'll be so distracted and mm-hmm. step away from your creativity. He's like you have like a, a gift that people wish they they had. And I just I stuck with it. Like I hated it. Like he made sure that I didn't get on the football team. Like I tried out so many times. That's, but that's, I mean, you know, I'm sure you were really um, bugged by it then, mm-hmm. but you know, just to have someone else have your best interest, right. like they, cause sometimes I think it's as creatives, we, we don't always see the best in us. Like other people mm-hmm. see it. And sometimes it takes them to take that, pull it out and put us in the right direction. Right. Yeah. It was, um, like to have someone or have a group of people like mm-hmm. sort of like help steer you in the right direction, like regardless, like at the time, yeah, it, it frustrated me because I was like, I really want to do this. Right. But looking back, like um, I'm grateful because of where I'm at now. If yeah. I hadn't like, you know, taken that. None of this class, could have happened. Possibly. Yeah, we wouldn't be sitting here talking. Right, right, right. <laughs> so like, it's just uh, I'm very happy for the like, I mean, that's a big thing is to have uh, people around you that one support you. And they believe in you and they can see things within you that you can't see in yourself. Do you have a process of weeding people out that are there for the wrong reason, like trying to be a part of something for the wrong reasons, as opposed to someone who is there for the right reasons and having uh, positive intentions of what's going like? (laughs) I think it's a fair question because I know anybody that is, uh, 
in a producer director role. I mean, these are, and especially if you're a producer director and you own a company that's producing mm-hmm. projects often, it's, it's hard to gauge some people. Yeah. So do you have the, uh, a process in weeding people out? <laughs> uh, well, I'm the type where I will give you 100% trust until mm-hmm. you give me a reason not to trust you. And so, like, uh, people that have come on board to try to help out on the crew, for example, I mm-hmm. will, like, oh, yeah, you, you want to help out with sound? You want to help out with camera? You want to do this? Okay, yeah. I'll show them how I like to do stuff. I'll, I'll, you know, work with them a little bit. But when I start saying, like, they want to do their own thing, mm-hmm. and that, not like, and I love creativity. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, hey, I have this idea. We think about this shot. It's like when I'm saying I really need this because I know how mm-hmm. I want the cut to be. But you're doing the exact opposite and telling yeah. me that, oh, yeah, I think your shots are weak and whatever it's like. OK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's crazy. I've actually had I've actually brought what like I don't want to say mentor, but just had someone under my wing and they tried to go and steal my clients. What? Yeah. They like bounced <laughs> out and that they had. And, you know, it's like. At the end of the day, like to me in, in life and in the world, like the most valuable commodity is time mm-hmm. because it's something you can't buy. It's something you can't get back. And if you waste it, you waste it. If you don't, you don't. But I, I know from my perspective, like we invest a lot in other people, our time. Right. So they have the opportunity to learn what not to do from you because you're sharing your experience with them. Um, and then they, it's, it's, it's crazy cause they'll put it in, they'll put in the work for, you know, six months a year and then just to do some snake mm-hmm. type move. And it's just like, I've really tried to figure out a way to not make myself open to that type of vulnerability to yeah. where, um, it's weeding out the people that are there for the right reason, not to take advantage or. Um, use you as a stepping stone, mm-hmm. you know, because I think at the end of the day, relationships and all the things that where I'm at now are due to the relationships I've been building over the past 15 years. Right. So um, and I don't know if you have any experiences like that with people um, from that perspective. Um, I'm trying to remember now. I, I don't think. Oh, I. There was one time something like that almost happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had one person that wanted to work on a project with me, and they didn't really like how I was doing things. But I was just starting out, so I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, getting a feel for what I like and everything. Yeah, it's and, a process for sure. And they were like, oh, well, how about this? How about, you know, we shoot, we get your shots, and then we get the shots I want to get. And then you do your cut of the movie, I'll do my cut, and we'll see which one's better. And I was like, why do you need a cut of my movie? Uh, yeah, it's it's such a it's such a challenge. And I think that's <clears throat> I think the biggest skill set people like yourself and people like myself can have is the the people skill set, because mm-hmm. we have to deal with such a diverse group of yes, people and then <laughs> and, and balance them out. You know what I mean? So six years college acting. Mm-hmm. What happens? You're done. You're out of school. Yes. Now, um, now uh, what are you going to do? Had my Van Wilder moment of uh, being thrown <laughs> out. And uh, one of my uh, acting uh, classmates, she had started doing extras work while we were in school. Okay. And uh, I started like, wait, what, what is extras work? She said, oh, you know, the people who are in the background who don't say anything. Like, extras. And, yeah. I was like, oh, so well, I know they, they like call. to be called background artists. Yes. 
That's a very correct yeah, term. There, if you if you get around extras and you don't refer to that, you will hear about it. Yes. And I um so like the first set that I ever worked on was uh, Vampire Diaries. And um I realized how much I love being on set uh, that day. Mm-hmm. But I also understood uh, set etiquette that day because I... You know, that's the crazy thing. I don't mean to cut you mm-hmm. off, but they... All the things that I see that are available resources for actors, you know, whether it's, here's how you do self-tape, mm-hmm. here's how, you know, here's all these acting classes. There's not one class that teaches set etiquette and jargon. Yes. Of like, okay, what is it like... I remember we, we had somebody on set. I'm like, okay, we're going to go through blocking. And they're like, what? Like, <laughs> so they taught you how to act, but not how to act on set. Like, uh, what's the mark? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So you, so you guys are out there on, uh, what, what was your, how did you learn set etiquette then? So what was uh, that scenario? I learned it the hard way. I mean, not, oh, but no, that sounds like a train wreck. Yeah. I didn't get chastised or anything, but um, like, for example, lunch. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you know, cast and crew, they go to lunch first and background artists, you know, they have to wait until. The normally it's a very different table for crafty. Exactly. <laughs> it's not yeah. the same one. So I was right after um, they called for lunch, mm-hmm. I was walking behind uh, the girl that played Caroline on Vampire Diaries. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm just walking and she's looking, we're smiling, talking. And I so like I'm in line with her. Like she gives me a plate. Mm-hmm. And so I'm getting ready to put food, and I just, you know, like one of the um, background artists that I was with, he, I just hear him in my ear mm-hmm. from like a distance, Jamal. <laughs> and I look over, he's like, no, no, come over here, come over here. And no one, but was anyone else going to say something? No, like, I would have just rolled cast with it. crew, everything. They were just like, you know, giving me forks and stuff. Like, yeah, it, it wasn't like, someone there was going to like put you in your place. Like, no. uh, excuse me, are you lost, sir? <laughs> you know, like no one's going to, I would have, so did you roll with it or what did you do? No, like when he called me out, that's when one of the PAs looked over. He was like, oh no, no, you can, you need to come over here. But because I had sort of like, I'm a friendly person. Right, so right, right, right. The PA, like he, he knew that it was my first time. So he's like, oh yeah, he said, you know, normally, you know, the casting crew go first and then this. And so I got started asking questions like, okay, well, what else goes on? Like, you know, yeah. he started breaking it down. And the more that he wrote things down about being a background artist on set, I said, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. It, it, real quick, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, this sucks. Yeah. Now I went from set to set, like just building my rapport with different people. And then I found out what second team was. I was like, oh, stand-ins. Yeah. Man, they get treated like cast members. I want to do that. And uh, within four months, like after, I think Selma was like my last project okay. that I did just background work. And Ava, uh, she actually bumped me up to a stand-in mm-hmm. uh, and like just randomly one day because I was walking out. She was like, oh, Jamal, can you come stand right here in this phone? Were room? you ever a featured background artist? All the time. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> I always loved the, I, I don't know. Like, so my first feature that I shot was the comedy, uh, the E-listers, which mm-hmm. was all based around the background artists. And up until that point, I didn't really know the culture of background yeah. because I've never, I've never been uh, on camera. Te- like I've never had that desire. So I, I never went through any of that stuff. So 
a lot of that was all very new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of it was just really absurd. But then when people saw the film, they're like, no, it's pretty spot on. It's yeah. pretty, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty spot. Like there, of course there's some pieces exaggerated, but it's yeah. pretty um, spot on, but it, it's just funny how like, did you have cheese balls? Oh yeah. That was, <laughs> that was the big thing. So like, there's a, there, everybody always has a plate of cheese balls uh, in mm-hmm. holding. And then they, <laughs> The way the way we premised it, because I was doing a lot of podcast interviews promoting the film and, you know, it's basically a film about, you know, the the unwanted third world stepchildren, the wanted but needed Hollywood stepchildren and how they kind of just go through everything and. We, we had one of their holding rooms. It was in a funeral home, and there was, oh, like, the crafty table was a coffin. There's, so there's, like, cheese balls on there. And it, it was just so absurd, but everybody said it's not that far from the truth, from, like, yeah. the, the stuff that we, that, that we captured. Um, and this was coming from people that had done background extra work but didn't know about the movie until they saw the trailer or saw mm-hmm. the, the film or whatever, and... Yeah, so I have a whole new respect for the background <laughs> artist, but that was a big thing. They're, they're background artists. There's featured mm-hmm. and core featured or something like yeah. that. Yeah, core featured, was, yeah. Yeah, so it was just super uh, interesting. It, just the way that it was like the high school classroom with the clicks, but it was like extras oh, clicks so at let, tables. Let me tell you about this real quick. So when I, uh, the first time I was on set when I was on Vampire Diaries, you realize how much people are so full of themselves. Oh yeah, as background, yeah. Like people are like, oh yeah, like this is back when Hunger Games was being filmed here. Okay, and so people go like, oh yes, um, so yeah, I just I had a scene with Jennifer Lawrence, and um, <laughs> like she had to sort of give this look where she turns and she looks frustrated, and I'm the one that she's looking at, and then we have like this moment where we just really captured, like we captured what the director was looking for. And I was going to give her my number to talk yeah. about it later, but I'm just she like, had to go. And like, of course, like the first time you're on set, you're hearing these stories and you're like, wow, so you were like with so-and-so. Mm-hmm. But then the more you're on set, you realize like, yeah, okay, they just blow smoke right now. Okay. Like, it's, just- it's so interesting. And like, I became friends with a lot of the people on set and they still actively do extras work. And one of the <laughs> biggest things that I've noticed now that I'm friends with a lot of extras on Facebook is that, um, they love to take a photo of the TV. Yes. And even though, you know, circle, <laughs> A lot of it is out of focus because there's a depth there, but it, it's just, it's interesting. I mean, I get it. It's I'm a, third blur from the right. Yeah, it's, so yeah, it's, it's super interesting. Uh, I, I really appreciated the learning experience in yeah. that culture. It was, it was, it was fun. It's a process of, because like I went from just being happy being on set mm-hmm. to like the first time I got featured, I was mm-hmm. like, wow, I get to be on camera. So like I would, I would tell people like, oh yeah, you know, I wouldn't, like take pictures like that or right, 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 right. But I would tell people, like, oh yeah, I, I had to do this, that, or the other in this scene. And mm-hmm. so when people watch it, like, oh yeah, that's Jamal. But it's like my transition point. It really was Selma mm-hmm. because I went from being featured, like that's how I I started off just as a regular background on there, mm-hmm. and then Ava was like, oh Jamal, like I want to feature you uh, in this scene. Mm-hmm. I was featured four times in four different roles in Selma to the point where Ava was like, Jamal, I'm gonna write you a role. <laughs> and after this, I can't see you anymore in this movie. Like she <laughs> and that's would, it. She got frustrated because I was supposed to, I was a core background, but also I was featured mm-hmm. in certain parts. So 
I'm throughout that entire movie, and but then when uh, she made me like a stand in, uh-huh. it, it wasn't really like a stand. Like I stood there for like two seconds, and she was like, "All right, thank you." And so uh, this opportunity came up for this movie called The Duff, uh-huh. and they were looking for a guy with like low to bald hair or whatever, and they're like, "Oh, we need a stand in." So I I embellished the mess out of my resume and since it is and i got the part and so when i get on set uh the second ad she was like uh so jamal so uh i, I looked like i had no idea what i was doing right like, i didn't ask for size because i didn't even know what to ask for and she she looks at me and she goes you have no idea what you're doing do you i was like nope uh, yeah, no i'm just here <laughs> and she she took it upon herself to train me like she trained me that day to be a stand and she said okay ask for your sides first uh get this study your sides stay with your actor like always be close to set and that said i was spoiled because the director he and i we would like just talk all the time i got close with the uh, first team mm-hmm. and i said i'm never going back to background and so like yeah. everything i did after that it was standing work but then after doing that you get to the point where you're like, man, I want to act. Yeah, you want to, yeah, you're like tired of being in second place. Yeah. Yeah. And you're rehearsing with the lead actors and it makes you want to do it more. Yeah. And you know, the thing is too, that uh, the most amazing thing to me is how much people waste that opportunity being Mm -hmm. in, like for me, I'm like, it's free. I'm getting paid for an education. Like why they're not, you know, whether it's uh, networking with all the different people that are uh, crew or producers or ADs or whoever, and, and just becoming a familiar face and someone that's cool and someone that, you know, I think that's where you can really have the opportunity to separate yourself from the pack is like, okay, this guy, you know, he's taking the series. He wants to do something. He just doesn't because a lot of those people, from what I've gathered is a lot of people just sit and holding and that's it. Like yeah. there's nothing. And you're perfectly fine with that. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting that you took a different approach to it. Yeah. I was always looking for like, how can I move up? Right. And I, I get, I did get in trouble, uh, not in trouble, but I got called out a couple of times mm-hmm. because like uh, there was a movie cell that uh, called cell is based on a Stephen King novel. Mm-hmm. And the director, he like, I get close with every director that I've worked with. And he would tell me like, oh, Jamal, you can uh, stay close to me. You can hear like, you know, you know, our director sessions and all that stuff. And there were times where I would look at like the shots that they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I'd go, eh, like, why are you getting that shot? And there was one time towards the end of filming the movie, uh, they were frustrated because they're like, oh, I don't know what shot to get. Like we like this and that. And the director, the producers, they were huddled up. And I was like standing right there. Mm-hmm. And they go like, well, yeah, I have no idea what to do. And they're all just going back and forth. Like, well, we could do this. And like, nah. And I go, well, I have this idea. Oh, yeah. I'm and, sure. and the whole room goes quiet, right? Yeah. The, and like the director looked at me and the PA was like, Jabal, come over here. Come over here. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, and he's like, Jabal, you, you can't do that. Ever. And like, I wasn't even trying. It just, it was like a reflex. Yeah. Like, I was just listening. And then it just like snapped me. And I was like, oh, oh what about... And then the director actually, after they finished, he told me such about. He said, "Yeah, he said, don't don't do that." Yeah. He said, but what idea did you have? And I told him, he was like, "That's actually a really good idea." Um, That's crazy. <laughs> I, you know, I don't get that part. Like, why everybody, uh, like, there, there's such a you got to be afraid to speak type thing. Like, yeah. I think it's I, I on my sets. Um, I I I push a collaborative thing because. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're directing, your mind is in so many places at once that yes. 
just because this person's a background or this part, if they, I'm always willing to hear the idea. If I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. but I don't want someone to be afraid to speak and we miss an opportunity to do something great, which is, I think that's been one of the hardest things for me to digest about the culture of the, the film industry yeah. and the way there's a certain pecking order and how you're able to, you, you can't speak to this person, but you could speak. It's just, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, it's stressful at times. It's a class warfare. Almost, yeah. Like on set, like it's a whole thing. Yeah, because like, even just being like, uh, you know, a stand in mm-hmm. when you're like, you have, you have a greater access to the actors and the director and everything. Mm-hmm. But even then it's like, you have to pick and choose like when you go speak to them. Because like, if like for actors and I mean, I understand this to an extent when you're on set and you're like, you know, in your role, especially if it's like a serious dramatic role and you're trying to stay in that frame of mind, yeah, you don't want to have like a conversation about this comedy that you watched last night. But, uh, there are certain times where I've seen actors, like if you just say hi to them, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, this person's talking to me, get, remove them right now. And I'm like, okay, you're taking that's it insane. way overboard. Yeah. That's insane. I just don't understand. I, I don't understand where that comes from. And, may, and maybe there is a legitimate reason. I just don't know about it, but I can't think of one. You know what I mean? So know your place peasants. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. Um, so, well, so you get out of college now and you're doing these, uh, you're doing the extra work. Now you're doing stand up. When does, when does Jamal move into just running, uh, creating their, your, your own film? And how does, how do you jump from one thing to the other? Um, so, um, I had this idea for Back to One. I knew that was going to be the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started off as a spinoff because my first actual film was uh, called Virtuous. Okay. And it was a very, very dramatic story, but I didn't have like the full idea of it. Mm-hmm. And then um, I started thinking about, uh, I saw this movie, uh, which is my favorite movie of all time now, uh, the, um, the Adjustment Bureau. Okay. And really? The, yes. That's favorite movie all time. Yeah, that's my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> okay. And, that's like a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast. I know, right? <laughs> and, um, that's just a big, uh, that's just a big statement when you say favorite movie all time. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that is, that is my, I can watch it. I've seen it like, I don't know how many times and it never gets old to me. And there's so much that I can unpack from that movie. Yeah. Um, but after watching that, I just fell in love with this idea of like a senator and a ballerina, and that helped reshape my entire film. And so I based back to one, like the two lead characters mm-hmm. off of just those two aspects, like a senator and a uh, ballerina, and then like restructured the entire story around that. And um, then I met uh, Colton on set of The Fifth Wave, like that was my last featured role. Mm-hmm. And we, I told him what I was doing. He was like, okay, let, let me see what you got. And after he read the treatment, he was like, okay, I got it. And he wrote like a 135 page script. Wow. And he was ready. Oh yeah. He was, <laughs> he was waiting to write something. And after that, like he and I, we just, we became like best friends and we've we just become like the one, two punch. And then like uh, my friend, Dave, uh, David, yeah, like that's how we met too. Like working on set, like David was like the producer, like uh, Jamal, like what do we got to do to get this done? Yeah. And David's like, good people. I love him. Yeah. Like it was like his parents actually came to my first short film premiere. Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, uh, Gwen, uh, they're just, they're just awesome people. They, yeah, she's so supportive. Yeah. She's, um, that we had a blast and we, you know, 
we we were, had a little after party after the premiere because we did a, the premiere at um, the Midtown Art Cinema. So there's all those little restaurants and bars. And mm-hmm. I mean, he just kept buying shots for everybody. I'm <laughs> like, oh my gosh, where's my designated driver? But they're so <laughs> awesome to hang out with just because like they're they're like the 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 fun parents that yes. you want to hang out with. <laughs> like they're not like your typical parents. They're just awesome. Yeah. So um, so. What's next? What what happens? So where were we? We were talking about the. Um, oh yeah, getting started in yeah, directing. Yeah. Um, so after we had the script for uh, Back to One, I started doing like workshops with uh, different cast members just to see like you know uh, is this going the way we want? Like uh, do we have the right cast? Because I had never done this before. So yeah, uh, and a lot of it was you know just getting friends to do it and uh, asking for favors because mm-hmm. it, it's crazy because the first film. I had like a full vision for what I wanted, but when you're starting out, you know, people, they don't really want to work with you because they, uh, they think like, Oh, you, uh, you don't really know anything. You're, uh, it's always hard to get that first one jumped off, man, because people are like, what do you got a portfolio? Can I see some of your work? And you're like, no, this is my first one. They're like, Oh, yeah. and they just slowly <laughs> walk out of the, yeah, I'm busy that weekend. Yeah. Um, like I, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not shooting on a weekend. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always tough to get that first one. It's always on favors. Yeah. And, um, but I mean, it was, it, it gave me an appreciation for people that, you know, are willing to sacrifice their time to right. help, you know, in, in, in whatever way they can. Right. Um, but like the first film, we started shooting in the beginning of 2016 mm-hmm. and, uh, we shot for like on and off for like two, three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the day we finished, I was like, okay, I love it. But I, I hated the film by the time we were done uh, filming. Like, and everybody was like, Jamal is looking so great. I was like, I don't personally like it. So I put it uh, on a drive mm-hmm. and I just left it alone for a year. I didn't touch it. I didn't finish wow. it. I was like, I'm, I'm just done with it and focus on sustain. Mm-hmm. And that was like arguably the greatest decision of my life because if I would have put out back to one first, people would have loved it. I mean, like they're supportive, but um, sustain the amount of work and attention to detail that we put into it with what we had. I mean, Mm -hmm. I bought my first DSLR and I applied like uh, my shooting style with that. Mm -hmm. And after doing that movie, because uh, I, I spoke to my godparents because they were also producers of my project. Mm-hmm. And they, had, they watched the first cut of Back to One and they were like, Jamal, put out Sustain first. And yeah. like, no, like, put them in order. Like, he, and my godfather was like, Jamal, no. Put, he said, trust me, put Sustain out first. And I put it out and we had like 230 people that came to the premiere. That's awesome. And like, for them to do that when they haven't seen anything but a trailer. Yeah. Like, uh, I was amazed. And then like, we sold out of our DVD. We made our budget back that night in DVD sales. That's awesome. And that's so awesome, man. And you know, I, 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 I actually hate premieres. Yes. Like, because they're stressful. No, it's because <laughs> like, I was like, they were like, Mike, why do you hate it? You know, you get to watch, watch your movie on a big screen. I said, yeah, but you're sitting in a room with 200 people judging your work instantly. Exactly. And you're just like, they're supposed to be laughing. They're not laughing. What's so going you're on? like yelling, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah. So that, I mean, people don't look at it from that perspective, but that's that's what it is, man. It's it's tough to sit in that room and uh, and be judged. So did the... Did, did the film come first or were you like, I'm going to create this company 
I'm going to turn it into a company. Like, uh, how, how did that? How did that go about? Well, that was the good thing. Um, when I was five years old, mm-hmm. yeah, like I know we're going backwards now. Uh, when I was uh, five, stories go all over. The place, yeah, man, you know. <laughs> yeah, flashback. Um, yeah. I had a vision to have the largest arts-based corporation in the world, mm-hmm. and it's uh, split over multiple divisions. And mm-hmm. one was always to have film. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was at Georgia State, one of my friends, uh, we actually came up with the name in Busy Studios mm-hmm. because we were looking up just like creative names, like every single name of every division of my business mm-hmm. has something to do with like vision. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, OK, I want something that's like to see, to envision. And uh, she found uh, I forgot what language it was like I to this day. I still don't know. <laughs> but it, it was like in Fissy. And I was like. Oh, I, I like the sound of that. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, but I'm like Invisi, like Invisi, Invisi. It's like Invisi Productions. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I like that. And so it stuck. And it was like also short for Envision. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the more that we worked, we started working on our projects. Uh, like people, like I really started. Like it wasn't a. F- and the funny thing is, it wasn't even a full company yet. It mm-hmm. was just like I had MS Visual Enterprises, which is like the parent company. It was like the Disney to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the plan was always to have all films under Invisi, and we would just use the name, but it wasn't an actual company. And then this year, because of like the contracts and stuff that we're going to do with bigger budgeted pr- projects, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I need to take this seriously and do an actual production company, mm-hmm. and. I was like, but I don't like the, the name Invisi Productions. And so now it's Invisi Studios. Like okay. it, just, it just felt better. So did you did you have anybody as far as a, a guide, a mentor, an advisor just from getting your company set up? From, or, or is that something that you kind of took on your own? Like, because I think that's <laughs> that's usually the part that gets skipped over for yes. creatives is like, you know, oh. I started here and now I own a company <laughs> and da, 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 and you know, so, so what, what was the process when, when you're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to make this thing a legit company. Mm-hmm. Like, did you have a, a source of people that you reached out to or what was your process in getting that set up? Um, well, I started to see that it was lucrative mm-hmm. uh, cause I started doing demo reels for people just randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the better that I got with directing and like starting doing projects, people, they want to work with you more. Right. And they're like, Oh, Jamal, like, Hey, I saw your movie. Can you shoot my demo reel? And then you realize your value and you start yeah. increasing the pay. And it's like, Oh, okay. I'm like making between 600 to a thousand mm-hmm. for a demo reel. Yeah. Like, uh, let me do something with this. Like, yeah. And, and I needed to start separating the businesses anyway, because everything was just under MSVE. And I'm like, okay, Everything. That was the first thing you set up? Yeah. And that was back in 2010. <laughs> it was there. Did is that some, did you have any assistance with like, because when mm-hmm. you, when you talk about forming a company or a business uh, for most, it's going to sound intimidating. Yes. Like, uh, where do you do that? Like, <laughs> is, can I get that at Walmart? I know, right? <laughs> um, I mean, I had the, the privilege of uh, having a dad that, okay, this is very sad. When I was seven years old, mm-hmm. my dad had me write out my articles of incorporation. Wow. Yes, at the age of seven. He sat me down in front of a computer. He gave me his articles, which were 60 pages, had nothing to do with creative arts, anything, and said, write out your, read. I want you to read this, and I want you, you cannot move 
until you start writing your articles of incorporation. So by the time I was 10 years old, I had my articles of incorporation. I knew what the business was going to entail and everything. So I guess uh, you had the, the creative side going on naturally in you and you're exploring these things. But then on the home front, you actually have this force, this entrepreneurial uh, education that's being pushed on you yes. from your dad. Okay. It, no, and that's great to know because I hated it at the time, but yeah, now I'm you're grateful. like, Oh, <laughs> now, now you're able to, to go through contracts, read them, understand what's going on and mm-hmm. those types of things. And I think that that's such a huge thing because how different would things be, um, from a, from a company standpoint, had your father not been that person pushing you to learn about, starting your own business. Yeah. I mean, it was problematic at first Mm -hmm. because like when we started the business, uh, I was chairman, CEO and founder, Mm -hmm. but I really didn't have like that business mind. Like I had the vision for a business, but as far as like the day-to-day operations and things, Mm -hmm. it wasn't my strong suit. And because I had trust issues early on, I was like, I'm going to do everything. So I was like juggling, like, okay, trying to do a magazine and, doing like wanting to do movies one day and doing artwork, doing graphic mm-hmm. design. So it was like, mm-hmm. I was juggling way too much at one time. And he's like, he always gives me like Jamal. He's like, you know, if you would have listened to me, your clothing line would have been, you know, in stores by now, you would have been doing this, you would have been a millionaire. And it, but it was the process that I needed to go through. Like, cause I needed to um, learn that I don't need to do everything by myself and then mm-hmm. I can trust people. Yeah. And so like last year, well, actually the beginning of this year, I actually um, put him in charge. So he's CEO of the company now. So he's handling mm-hmm. all day-to-day operations of the entire corporation, like everything he, he manages. And uh, my that's, mom, that's a huge thing, man. Yeah. And that's uh, right now it's three, three businesses that he's managing. Mm-hmm. And my mom, she's like, over administrative duties. So she makes sure that my schedule is intact and that I'm um, accomplishing every task that I, I possibly need to. Uh, and so like, I'm slowly, oh, so almost like an accountability coach. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she hates it. She's like, Jamal, I'm your glorified executive assistant. I'm like, no, you are chief administrative officer. She was like, don't, don't, don't add that title. Just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, we, we I think it's, when you're, when you have a creative mind, it jumps and you don't have a choice in where it's jumping. You're just like, I want to go do this now. Like mm-hmm. in a day, like I, I'll probably, I could work or touch seven different projects in a day just because yeah. when I feel like I'm over it at that moment, mm-hmm. it's time to walk away from it and touch something else until I can come back with a fresh pair of eyes or yes. a fresh <laughs> thought process. So like my business manager, uh, Kwame, he, he's really the guy that sets a lot of the business stuff up. Cause I'm like, as soon as he's like, yeah, we're going to have our monthly meeting. And I'm like, this is where creativity goes to die. Yeah. I'm like, Oh gosh, oh. I hate those yeah, things. He's like, Oh, it's tax time. I'm like, Oh God. <laughs> like, Don't tell me these things. Yeah. I'm like, what do you need for me? <laughs> so, but you know, they're essential pieces to running, you know, that you have to do it. Um, he's like, yeah, well, we're trying to build your company's credit score and do these things mm-hmm. so you can buy buildings and expand and all this <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, dude, I just want to create, man. Yeah, so like, just you, let me get behind a camera, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it's it's good that, that you realize that and you, you were able to. Uh, it's all about bringing the right team together that can handle mm-hmm. the things that you're not so good at. So the things that I am not good at, the things like 
in my house, my wife pays all the bills. Like, I just give her the money. Like, I'm I'm not. Perfection. Good. Yeah. Because I'm not, I, I can't. Like, my mind is all over. Because, like, uh, for example, the, um, <laughs> I'm dating. I'm dating right now, mm-hmm. and she's like one of my best friends, and we, we've known each other since we were kids. Mm-hmm. Everything that I lack, she has. Mm-hmm. It's like my thought process. Like I'm just like I have this idea. I have that idea. She's more of a structured person. Like, mm-hmm. like I can do this. Like okay, let's plan. That's this my out. wife for sure. And I'm like, you said that. I said, see, it just furthers because I've been trying to like. She, I tell her this and we just talk, we joke about yeah, yeah. like having like, you know, people around you yeah. that fill in the gaps. You got to, that's, yeah. that's the biggest key. Um, and the thing is, is like, if, if I was responsible for the bills in my household, stuff would be getting cut off all the time. Exactly. Not, not because the money's not I there. I forget. Just, I would, my mind is not like, oh, it's, when I look at what the day is, I'm like, oh, what am I shooting today? Who am I meeting with? What, like, I'm not like. Oh, the electric bill needs to be paid. Yeah. It's like, no. it's like you start typing, like, okay, working on yeah. editing. Like, wait, why is my cloud not working right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, lights go out. The internet's <laughs> out. You're just like, what's going Oh, I was supposed to pay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super, super big. Well, that's great, though, that you've had that support system from early on just to, even though it was probably like, why am I writing articles yeah. at seven? But... You know, that's a great thing because I have a, a, a four-year-old and a two-year-old and I love bringing them to the studio so mm-hmm. they can uh, get nurtured at a very early age to where, you know, hopefully. You know, My kids will be doing the same thing. Yeah. I have <laughs> yeah. So they could come and hopefully take this thing over one day. And it's like, I, I always said, like, my goal and legacy is f- to give, to provide them with something to where they can write the check, not cash the check. Mm-hmm. So that's really the whole goal, like with us expanding into the to the studio and everything. What um, what would you say? What, what would you say up to this point? Your biggest failure has been in, in your journey. Uh, biggest failure. Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, because, dude, I think. And the reason I ask that is just because it, it, it's I think you only you only truly fail like when you quit. Yes. When you give up, when you're done, that's the only true uh, failure. Um, the rest of them are just learning examples, you know, taking it to be better. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've, I have dozens of them. So that's why I'm, <laughs> As I'm trying to think of yeah. the biggest one like this. Yeah. Like, well, well, well okay. How about let's, let's remove the word biggest, but just something that you learned a very valuable lesson from that, you know, it's, it's changed the way you think even up to today. Um, well, one big thing is, uh, the, uh, value of each department mm-hmm. in relation to a film. Um, like when you're doing everything yourself, mm-hmm. there's only but so much you can do. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, with your knowledge. Right. Uh, so like, for example, sustain is struggle with sound mm-hmm. and like picture quality. Everyone loves it, but mm-hmm. sound like it had its, yeah. And we missed out on, well, it's, it's sort of worked out in our favor because like recently uh, two of our investors, they wanted to push sustain to get like a distribution contract to go um, for like television and mm-hmm. DVD and stuff. And it was six figures. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes. And they watched the movie. Like, you know, we love the movie, but I was like sound, right? It's like, yes. So we can either pay to get ADR done, mm-hmm. which would, it took about two months to do it the right way and all that. Mm-hmm. Or, we could reshoot the whole movie 
and you can put it in theaters. And so like part of me was like, okay, we, we shot the movie. It's like, that was our, our baby. It was the first one. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, oh, wow, I get to fix all of my mistakes. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like getting like a free do-over. Yeah. To, a, to an extent, maybe, you know, and then bring in a quality sound guy mm-hmm. that, that, that's, you know, that, that was one of my obstacles too, was the sound thing, because I come from initially directing music videos where we're not worried about sound. It's all about yeah. having a pretty visual. <laughs> um, so then you quickly realize that sound is half mm-hmm. of everything. And what I've realized um, is that people will put up with a bad visual before they'll put up with bad sound. Exactly. And that, that was a really tough one to swallow mm-hmm. because there's so much you have to consider in sound. It's like, it's it, that it affects your locations, mm-hmm. um, you know, depending upon the, the gear and the, the knowledge of your sound. Part, it's <laughs> just so much, but it's like, I think it's the biggest way to tell the difference between amateur and professional now mm-hmm. is like, How's it sound? <laughs> like it's uh, oh, in addition to that, it made me think about my biggest failure. Okay. Oh gosh. Uh, so the night that I finished the first cut of sustain, like, well, not the first cut, like the first cut was three hours long and we and my agent, she's the only person that has seen the three hour cut. Oh my and God. <laughs> I was like, I now I know how Zack Francis Snyder Ford feels. Coppola. Right there, right? <laughs> it's a long movie, buddy. Cause like I put every scene in and I was like, Oh, I need it. And she was like, you don't need that scene. You don't need that. And so eventually it trimmed down to two hours. And so when I did the two hour cut, um, she told, she called me that night. I was staying at my dad's condo. He was out of town. So I had the whole place to myself and I'm just like, okay, yeah. You know, I'm just working. I, I worked till five o'clock in the morning. She told me, she said, Jamal, do not stay up late. You can finish it in the morning. I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm in a good groove right now. And I learned, uh, you should not try to do stuff when you're like extremely exhausted and you should trust when people are telling you things. Cause they know you better than you know yourself at times. Mm-hmm. I accidentally deleted the library of the rough cut. Oh, right. As I was trying to save it, I had, I put the final song levels, everything. I watched it. It was perfect. And I was like, okay. And this is one week before the premiere. And Removing the library. I was like, Oh my gosh, I had to recut. Like I was mad. I'm just yelling, screaming. I picked up my computer. You. It sounds like you. Did you edit in Final Cut? Uh, I did at that time. That's what. Yeah. Yeah. That library. (laughs) Because when you talk about library, library, yeah, I was like, (laughs) because one of my best friends, he's he's a huge advocate of Final Cut, and I'm like, no, I'm a Premiere guy. Yeah, I'm Premiere now too. Because (laughs) now it's just like it just looks for where that file is stored, Mm -hmm. and that's it. Put it back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So (laughs) I was like. Well, there's a there's another reason why I won't use Final Cut. Yes. <laughs> like that can actually happen. Like it it was so bad because I had the issue was I had a hard drive and the hard drive was full. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll delete this old library on here that I'm not using anymore. And I chose the wrong one. And so when mm-hmm. I dragged it into the trash, just by doing that alone, it damaged it. Mm-hmm. And so when I tried to undo it, none of the files were there. And I had to go back and piece it. And I, I was so mad. I picked up my computer and I, and I was getting ready to throw it. And I just go, you better be glad I need you. Yeah, and yeah, for I, sure. I put it down and I just recut the whole movie. And it, like rushing it, like I had worked a year on editing Sustain mm-hmm. 
to have that happen and then have to recut the whole movie in like a week. I would have cried. I did. I would have cried. I, I called my agent at like six o'clock in the morning. And it was probably not the phone call you wanted to have either. Cause no. she's probably like, uh, cause a lot of times I know like agents and the, the, the people, the handler people aren't normally the tech savvy people. So yeah. it always sounds a lot worse. Yes. I mean, like it's, it's, we're, we're, we still have a film. I just have to recut and edit everything, <laughs> you know? So they're probably, she's probably in super panic mode. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that that's I haven't done that. Yeah. But I have accidentally uh wiped the wrong memory card clean. Oh, I've done that too. Yeah. Because I I have this tendency of, oh, I got to shoot and I haven't uh offloaded anything, so I'll mm-hmm. just go and buy another memory card and then it just keeps I have like a whole thing full of memory cards and then I'm like, no, I got that. But then there was something else on there that I didn't get off of there. And mm. it's just like, Oh, are you, a, and I always get nervous every time you go in the camera to format. It's like, <laughs> are you sure? It keeps asking you this. Are you sure? Are you really, really sure? Are you absolutely sure? <laughs> so I have the worst paranoia about wiping out a memory card. I'm like, is it backed up seven times <laughs> on seven different external hard drives? If not, do it. The, the day after the sustained issue, yeah. when I got the other cut, I bought another hard drive mm-hmm. and I backed that up. And so every time I would do it, I would put them both together and save at the same time. Yep. There I, was I that in the auto, the, that, the, the deleting stuff. And then also um, not having the auto save. Oh gosh. Or if you had it like an hour <laughs> apart, like now mine's like every five minutes. That's how I have mine. Now. <laughs> yeah. And, but I get so annoyed at it cause you'll be like editing and then it'll pop up and it'll go. Eh, eh, eh. Yeah. And you're like, no, I just, but yeah, I learned that the hard way too. I lost like, cause we all know premiere loves to just randomly mm-hmm. a serious error has occurred and yes. it crashes and I've lost like, uh, a whole hour worth of editing <laughs> and have to go back. It's, it's horrible. So now I have like a five minute, uh, auto resave. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't care if I'm just doing like a quick scene edit. I make sure. Yeah, man, it's, it's scary, dude, when that happens, because again, it goes back to how much time you're mm-hmm. spending on something and then just to lose all of that and then have to start from scratch. And it could, it normally happens when you're feeling really good about your edit and you're like, Oh yes, this thing's moving. This is going, (laughs) the vibe is there. Everything's, everything's hitting on all cylinders. Um, so let me ask you, what, what do you think from what you, in your opinion, um, what do you think, or why do you think most people give up or fail in, in our industry of what we do? Um, is it, due to maybe they have a misconception about the instant gratification yeah. it brings or, you know, like, cause I see so many people like they'll go really hard for like mm-hmm. six months and then they're, yeah, it's just not for me, you know, because there is a, I, I have this saying that says um, dream chasing is a lonely sport. Mm-hmm. And I told that to my wife one day and she's like, what are you talking about? She's like, you have a lot of people that support you, your family, your friends. And I'm like, well, that's different. Like supporting, supporting what I'm doing, like when it's time for a, a release of a film is one thing, but the day in day out, it, you're by yourself, whether it's editing, whether you're writing, whether it, you're 90% of the time you're by yourself, like it's lonely. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I, I like to think that that's what most people don't think about, but I, I, I'm interested to know what you've witnessed from, from your side of like, what, 
why people give up, why people fail in this industry? I mean, a big reason is for that. Like a lot of people, they look at acting and directing or just filmmaking in general as a hobby. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it would be like, I, I've always wanted to make a movie. Like, I think that'd yeah. be pretty cool. And they look at like, you know, they go to premieres and they see like how everyone is, you know, supporting it and like, oh, I can do this. And then when they start working on it and they realize how much work goes into it, mm-hmm. they go like, oh, uh, I don't. I think this might be a little too much. Or if they do finish a project and they don't get the, you know, accolades that they thought they would get or they feel like they deserve, then it's an issue. And then they just like give up and they're like, oh, well, you know, I'll maybe do another project in another like couple of years, you know? Yeah. And me, I've always been the type where it's like, you know, I've learned the difference between a hobby and a habit. Mm -hmm. Like filmmaking, creating is a habit for me. Like I have to do it. Like it's, yeah. It's a core of who I am. But for people who are like, it's just a hobby, they can easily just like, oh, I don't feel like doing that today. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll do it, you know, next year. Like, I'll plan for it. Because there are people that come up to me like, oh, Jamal, like, what, you know, what, how'd you get started? And uh, what advice do you have? And I'm like, just do it. Like, you know, with yeah. what, whatever you have, just, just go for it. I mean, you can, I'm like, I'm remaking the first two movies that I did. I'm now remaking with bigger budgets. Yeah. And I, I, I never thought that I'd be in that position, but had I not started, I wouldn't be in the position I am now to be able to, you know, have meetings with investors and distributors about, you know, doing things on a bigger level. So how do you go about finding or getting or meeting with potential <laughs> investors? Cause I know that's a lot of questions. People are probably like, wait a minute. Is there a place where you just go and talk to these people or how do you, how do you, uh, what's been your, your lure to attract them if they're coming to you or is there people you kind of single out and and you, you have a plan or what, what, what does that look like? One word, God. Um, Oh, interesting. And and this this is why I say it. The first investor that I met, Mm -hmm. I was in new Orleans um, for an audition Mm-hmm. And I'm just standing on the steps, just minding my own business, going over my lines. Mm-hmm. This guy is with his son and he's standing right next to me. And he sees me like just, you know, getting in my zone and he just starts talking to me. I have no idea who this guy is. Yeah. And we just keep talking, talking, talking. And he's like, oh, uh, he says, so what else do you do? I said, well, I'm a filmmaker and I had just finished the stain. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, so what type of movies do you do? I said, uh, I did uh, a faith based movie. He's like, oh, you have a trailer. And I pulled it out, showed it to him and he gave me his card. And he's a film producer. And, you know, wow. of course, you know, there are a lot of people that say they're film producers. So at first I was yeah, like, yeah, that's such a loose term. <laughs> I know, of like, That's like when people say I have a studio. Do you want to come over to it like <laughs> exactly. in their garage? Your closet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I I, uh, I got his card and then there was a movie uh, that he was talking about. And I was like, oh, wait, I've heard of that movie. It was in theaters. And he said, yeah, he said, um, me and my business partner, we produced that movie. I was like. Oh, so well, you know, what was the name of the movie? A uh, question of faith. Okay. And, uh, they, uh, cause a friend of mine, she was the casting director on it. Okay. And so, um, that's how I knew about it. But when he started telling me about like the projects that they were doing, I was like, Oh my gosh. And he lived in Atlanta too. So I was like, Oh, this is perfect. And, but the issue was I lost his card. Oh, it was in my car somewhere. That sounds like a pretty big failure there. It was. But there are a lot of things that happen in the meantime, because uh, the biggest movie that we're um, working on called Relentless Love, mm-hmm. I was able to start that movie and work on the first draft of the script in the meantime. And then randomly one day I was cleaning out my I had cleaned out my car numerous times with my god brother. He's he does car detailing. And he details my car every time he sees me. Mm-hmm. I kid you not. Six months later, 
this card just randomly shows up on the floor of my back seat. And I called him immediately. It was like, hey, sir, like, I you lost your card. You should have took a picture of it, I did. locked it in your everything. phone. Like, I emailed him everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, this will not happen again. And then we um, we we planned to meet. We met up um, in Alpharetta. And I told him, like, what my vision was for the movie. And that was two years ago. And he was like, Jamal, okay. He's like, I feel that we're meant to work together. So he's like, it's gonna, he said, we're working on stuff right now. So I just need you to be patient. And so, like, at first I was, like, antsy because I was like, you know, I'm ready to work. Like, I want to shoot. Like, you know, he was saying, that, you know, we're going to try to get you a big budget so you can do your movies. I'm like, wow, I get to go from no budget to big budget. And um, and then, like, meeting him just by standing still on right. steps. And then um, this past uh, December, I was at a holiday party uh, with my friend Monica at, at her house. And I didn't even want to go because mm-hmm. I, I I'm not really a party person. Right. But... It's where the, the the networking happens. Exactly. It's like you have to. You have to. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm, I'm just standing in the kitchen, minding mm-hmm. my own business. And once again, this guy that was standing next to me just starts talking to me. And it, like, like same setup. Almost like deja vu. <laughs> yeah. It, that's what it felt like. And we're just talking. And he goes, um, so, yeah, what do you do? Because uh, I had my camera. I was taking pictures. And he's like, oh, so do you just do photography? I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm a filmmaker as well. And it's like, oh, so what type of films you did? And I'm like, I do faith-based mainly, but I've done like radar, drama, and all that stuff. And he said, oh, faith-based. He said, uh, my company actually, <laughs> this, this I, Like words. you didn't even know that there was this many faith-based producers out <laughs> That's there. That's what like, I'm saying. Yeah. But this is what he said, and this made me like laugh. He said, uh, my company raises money for faith-based movies. Wow. And I'm like, so I'm randomly at this party, randomly standing in a kitchen, randomly next to this guy, and he works for a company that raises money for faith-based movies. Out of all movies, all genres, yeah. faith-based. And uh, I met- Which like, is starting to become your specialty. Yeah. <laughs> and like, this guy was very serious. Like, I thought, you know, okay, he's going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, let's talk at some point. He was serious. Uh, like, the very next week, he set up a meeting with his boss and one of their um, producers. Like, you need to meet Jamal. I looked at his stuff. It's good. Like, just talk to him. Yeah. And after that, I gave them like I had like uh, DVD copies of the work and everything. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to watch this today. And he has been advocately pushing it since. Like, we need to make sure that he's going to get the budget he needs to do these movies. Like, he's ready. So when and how. So when was this? Uh, it was a couple of months ago. Wow. So so you guys are now full stream ahead. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And that's such a that's such a. I, I, the thing I love about the creative uh, culture and community is just like when you when you go to places like a party or a mixer or something like that, you just never know like what happens when you start throwing right. creatives together or what can come out of it and what opportunity it is. Like I start thinking about like, oh, well, what if I wouldn't have went here? And all of a sudden, all these things just get undone in my life. Right. You know what I mean? So I think it's... Um, I think it's a great story that you have because you're just constantly putting yourself, you know, you're working on your craft, you're making your, your, your projects better and better. Um, you're, you're coming into what you were designed and built to do. And then, you know, if you build it, they will come type Mm -hmm. thing. And now, and now you're getting yourself in a position where, okay, a budget. Oh, what's that? You know, you're (laughs) like, like, yeah, you're like, Oh, we, we can actually like, 
spend some money to make this thing. I can rent a location. (laughs) Yeah. And that, and that's a beautiful thing, you know, just to, to have the the access to do that. And hopefully, you know, they go, uh, it grows into a, you know, where you could do a slate of films for Mm -hmm. them or whatever, you know? And that's, that's what worked out because like the one investor I met at the holiday party, they were like, Jamal, we do budgets up to $2 million. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was on that just for one movie. Mm-hmm. And then the other investors, they have contracts with distributors. So they're like, Jamal, we're going to focus on getting you a distribution deal before you even shoot your movie. Yeah. So two sets of investors, one's talking about getting the budget for a movie and the other's talking about like the distribution. And so like they're working together trying to like get us really set up and on the right track. But what was interesting is like how it all, I mean, just, I just think of like, every time someone asks me, like, how did you get your investors? Like I was just standing still. Like, yeah. There's not a blueprint for that. Yeah. I can assure you there's not, it's, it's really for one, you know, people, the conversations I have a lot with people, you know, when, when it comes to talking investors and, and finding ways to get films made is, you know, ultimately people are trying to get people to invest in a film and they, they're not putting in the work in advance to see, mm-hmm. like, are you are you creating yourself uh, marketable to an investor? Do right. you can, can can you? And I think that's the biggest key is being able to look um, look like a value to an investor. That right. okay, this person, if I spend this amount of money, I feel pretty good that I'm gonna bare minimum going to get my money back, and you know, go through. Uh, that process of making a film because it, it's like a marriage, man. Like, yes. Once you start getting into <laughs> it, I mean, th- there there's just so many pieces that go uh, go into it. Um, let me ask you. I got one more question before we wrap it up. But mm-hmm. what? So you you have your how how have you gone about building an audience for your film and getting people? Because you know, at the end of the day, for us, the biggest thing is we just want people to watch the stories we're right. creating. So. How, how do you, how have you tackled that from an indie level just to, to get, you know, you had 200 people show up to your first premiere, you know, and then you, you, your people are buying the DVDs. Like how, how did you get, or what, what are some of the things that you've done to uh, get eyes on your projects? Um, well, at first it was through word of mouth. Like people were actually having watch parties. Mm, um, that's awesome. Like uh, if they were having like girls night or having like big family reunions or something, mm-hmm. they would take the DVD. Like I'm not even talking about like the cast members. I'm, I'm just like people that just came to support. Right. They, and they were buying like three or four copies of the film. Like, Hey, uh, I'm gonna give it to this person, that person. I love the film. And I realized there's a ripple effect that goes into it. If you can get a small group of people that really love your vision, mm-hmm. They will promote it for you because yeah. we didn't have a marketing budget or anything. Like I, I put out the trailer a couple of times that would reshare it, have cast and crew to reshare it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the success, like because right now it's on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. I have two films on Amazon Prime right now. Um, one I was hired to direct. The other like is sustained, mm-hmm. and it's been doing really well um, with audiences. Like there are people that find me on. Uh, Instagram. Yeah. They're just like, Hey, I watched your movie and I loved it. Like it really, like it really touched me. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. Like just the fact that they took the time to like try to find me 
just to yeah. say that. I'm and like, I'll wow. tell you what, there's been people that have watched my projects on mm-hmm. Amazon and they'll say they hated it and they didn't. You know, <laughs> what? Yeah. I've watched those projects. They're really good. So <laughs> that's why I'm no, like, <laughs> the, the, and they'll say, Oh yeah, this, you know, whatever. But you know what I like? I don't take any of it. I'd never take it personal, mm-hmm. but what I do is I do go back and I, I respond to the comment. And, you actually respond. Yeah. I do. I haven't, I haven't responded to any comment yet. <laughs> oh no. I, 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 I no, because I especially respond to when someone says, oh, well, like somebody actually gave a low rating to it because they mm-hmm. felt it should have been longer, but it was a short film. <laughs> they actually said, oh, and it was free. It was free on Prime. They could watch it for free. Right. It was seven minutes. It was our slight uh, short film. Uh-huh. And they literally gave it two stars because it was only seven minutes. But it says wow. short film. But I always go on and I, I thank people for their time for watching it. And, you know, uh, the thing is, is if something's good or not, it's subjective. So mm-hmm. I don't take it personal. Like, obviously I, I hate that you didn't enjoy the film, <laughs> but I appreciate you taking the time to watch it, you know, because at the end of the day, whether people like it or hate it, I just want them to watch it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So my distributor has forbade me from commenting. Really? Yeah, because there, there's this one lady, like, we have three negative reviews on there. Everyone else is, like, either a four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, the person that gave it a one, they were like, you know, the sound quality was horrible. The video quality, like, this looks very amateurish. Like, it was someone's first time doing a movie. Like, I wouldn't even uh, release this as a school project. And I just wanted to write, oh, it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, I mean, the thing, see, it's, it's, it's just the, and, and I think that's, the everyday audience doesn't get it. Yeah. Like there's stages to becoming like you, nobody just wakes up a great director or a yeah, great like, filmmaker. Like I'm a what Oscar today. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just interesting. Uh, once you, and that's the thing uh, is that once you put it out there, it's no longer really yours. It's, mm-hmm. it's out there for uh, human consumption. And, you know, we can just hope that, they see what we were trying to do with it. Exactly. Not everyone's going to do that. So it is, it just comes down to, it is what it is, but you know, I'll take it and uh, (laughs) we'll make sure that we, we do better on the next one. That's all you can really do. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, like it, like, you know, we know, like as directors, we know what our limitations are. We know what our issues are. Like, mm-hmm. we know the things that we, if we could go back and redo, we know what we would fix. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, like you said, putting something out there is no longer yours. Like mm-hmm. it's for the world. Right. And I was extremely nervous when we got the distribution deal and they were like, Oh, we're going to put on Amazon prime. I was like, wait, what? And yeah, it, it's just, you're like, okay, are people even going to watch it? Like, how do we promote on Amazon prime? How do we do this? And if yeah. we give negative reviews, is it going to push people away from watching it? And, um, like one of my other mentors, uh, and this is something like that ties into what you were, you and I were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Um, like being ready for an opportunity that, you know, may never come. Yeah. Because like I was working, uh, it was, it was my very, very last featured role Mm -hmm. and I did it as a favor. I was, I was like, I get to do art, um, uh, for, it was uh, called Manhunt, the Unabomber. And the director of that, everybody was like, Oh, he's a really cool guy. But he was like very like quiet. Like he was just like always focused. He was also the executive producer mm-hmm. and this guy, he's directed and executive produced everything on ABC, NBC, CBS. Oh, wow. And so his resume is crazy. And, uh, I finally got a chance to talk to him one day on set and mm-hmm. I just go, Hey sir, I'm a director. I just want to know, like, can I get some input? He said, 
are you, are you really a director? And I was like, yeah. He said, show me something. I was like, okay. And I pulled out the trailer for Sustain and he goes, can you email me that? And since then, like that was four years ago, yeah. or three or four years ago. Since then, like he and I, we've been in touch. He's like, let me know everything that's going on with this movie. And he was serious about it. And having people like that, that will challenge you, like, and that want to yeah. hold you accountable. Cause he's like, oh, what's your next project? What are you doing? Like, what's we, the steps? We need to have a director's club. I was just about to say that. We really do, because I feel like I feel like at the end of the day, directors are just out there on their own because mm-hmm. they're they're essentially the, the leader over the production of whatever it is. Um, so it's not like, oh, you could have a DP and a camera guy and they have like this connection because it's all around cameras and lighting and mm-hmm. you know, all the different departments have multiple people. But yes. it's just like the director. And it's just like. <laughs> Okay, who can I bounce other director questions <laughs> off of? Because yes. none of these people are interested in directing or they're not directors. <laughs> so it's just like, it's you kind of go through it, you fumble and pick it up and go. Um, so, yeah, we, especially here in Atlanta, I know there's a lot of great filmmakers here. I think we, mm-hmm. we need to start a director's club. And like, we have wanted month, to do that for a while. We meet monthly and we just talk director concerns, issues, mm-hmm. best practices, whatever, just so that way we have a way to uh, bounce, you know, like bounce ideas and just hold each other accountable to, to tell better stories. I think that would be such a benefit. Yes. Because I don't, I, don't, I could be wrong, but I haven't seen anything like I that. haven't. I actually attempted to do something like that about two years ago. Okay. It's like different, like different independent directors that I know. I was like, Hey, you know, we should just like get together. Like I wasn't even thinking like once a month, I was like, you know, just every now and then or even like, quarter. Like, yeah. It, like if we're working on projects and you like, Hey, I just want some ideas. Like, yeah, let's talk about it. We may have to do that. Yes. I think, I think we can, uh, once everything kind of sorts out and people are comfortable getting around other people again, we can, we could definitely do that because I think there would be a huge um, advantage in that because Mm -hmm. I know a lot of stuff that I've had to figure out along the way, there hasn't been like this resource. Right. That Atlanta directors Alliance. Yeah, there we go. We'll we'll get a real nice fancy title and matching hats. Yeah. Yeah. And an acronym that we could really, we can really push and flood social media with with Mm -hmm. the hashtag and everything. So, well, Jamal, it's been a pleasure having you, man. Where can people, where can people find you? Everything that you got going on? Do you have any uh, projects you want to promote right now? um, And where people can find you on the the World Wide web? Um, Well, everything is on my website, www msve.net and um also on my social media i'm on there all the time promoting stuff uh instagram mainly uh Mm -hmm. jamal rashad j-a-m-a-l-l-r-a-s-h-a-u-d i love the the clips that you guys do and i'm gonna put everything in the i'm gonna put everything all jamal's contact in the show notes (laughs) so you guys don't actually have to write that down we'll just have a (laughs) i just picture somebody like writing and then when you stop interrupt him And then they, they have to go back and rewind it. No, we'll, we'll, we'll include all the links. I appreciate so that. that. Way, that way, they could just click on it. Um, but yeah, no, I love those those little skits you guys do. Um, I wish you, you should do a comedy, like just a straight, oh, like a straight comedy. I have one that's I'm finishing up right now. Okay. It's called Evolve. Um, I released the first four minutes of it on Instagram. Okay. Um, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, please. Like, when is it going to be done? Yeah. Like, I, I realized I can't do a short, short film. Like it's horrible. I it started off at seven pages. Mm-hmm. The current edit of the film, and I haven't even finished shooting. 
is at 25 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, it happens, man. It happens. But I think there was this one that I saw that you did and it was, I don't know if you were on a blind date, but you were on a date and she kept talking about oh, yeah. <laughs> And, and it was just the way you were reacting. It, it, it was hilarious. I probably watched it like five times. It was great. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah the, uh, I, I was uh, on a date with her to try to get with her uh, best her, friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's it. That's it. That, so every time I see those those little skits come up that you that you guys put together, it's, it's always like uh, it's always exciting to see that stuff because like, oh, thank you. I, I think it's a great way to keep yourself visible while the bigger projects are cooking in the background, mm-hmm. you know, to just keep people interested, like brand is such a big thing and just being relevant and the way people consume uh, content now, it's like we can't create fast enough to mm-hmm. keep up with the demand. Um, and it's probably just going to get more intense where, yeah, hey, we got to make three features this year. <laughs> That's actually my dream. To like, do three features in a year? Yeah, we're doing two this year. Well, actually three because I have one that, uh, well, I'm not directing this one. I, it's my project, but mm-hmm. my mentor, he's actually directing it called uh, Unconditional and I'm just acting in it. Okay. And then relentless Well, still love. being involved with three films at yeah. some capacity is still an awesome, an awesome thing. And I know we had several things like in pre-production and then the COVID thing hit. So we're going to, yeah. me and my team, we're going to be coming back to assess like, okay, where can we pick up and how do we, you know, move things forward? So I don't know if any of that stuff will be pushed kind of onto the back burner. We just knock out one or two mm-hmm. or something like that. We'll, we'll just have to see. Cause it kind of, we were planning to have them shot before the studio opened. Mm-hmm. Um, but now the studio's open and none of it's shot. So yeah. <laughs> it's just like, uh, <laughs> let's, let's, we got to figure out a, a priority list, but, um, I definitely thank you for coming all the way to the studio, checking oh, everything thank you out for me. and uh, sharing your story with us again. We'll have all of his contact info in the show notes. So until next time, guys, remember to keep your dream over everything. Ciao.